This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Hey, welcome into the show. It is Tapped Out on the BetQL Network. Appreciate you checking us out. However, you got us on the Odyssey app, maybe on YouTube, with producer Jake Noaker and my co-host Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. And BT, the fight happened on your birthday, so you were looking forward to it. You were all giddy and excited and had those goosies that you get. Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury. I've had to rewatch it a couple of times because I had my money on Francis Ngannou. I thought, you know what, I'm probably throwing away a little bit of money at Bet MGM tonight, but whatever i like the long shot and i think he won the fight tell me i'm wrong i don't think you're wrong i said that when it happened i thought that francis won i not only thought that he won i thought he won comfortably um i thought that tyson fury after he got knocked down looked very frazzled um you know looked like he didn't want to engage felt like he came out of that fight with the injuries they just delayed his undisputed Although now very dis- heavyweight of the world fight against Alexander Usyk, very disputed. I think Francis Ngannou should be champion of the world, and the two biggest, uh, you know, should be the boxing heavyweight champion of the world right now. And we know he's the UFC heavyweight champion. They just, you know, took his belt away because he didn't sign with them. But this is the baddest man on the planet, man. He put him down in the third round. I thought in the eighth round had Tyson Fury very, very worried. Do think that he, you know, took round nine off a little bit, but. To what I say to any boxing nerd that wants to say that Tyson Fury outboxed him, no, he didn't. I mean, give me the effective shot that he hit him with that looked like Francis Ngannou couldn't do with whatever he wanted to um, outside of cardio because he tried to lean on him with weight. That didn't work. Francis was too strong. Most impactful shots of the fight, Francis Ngannou uh, didn't really keep him at bay with his jab. It was it was a terrible performance by Tyson Fury. Maybe if they rematch and he actually trained for the fight, he'd look a lot better. But I don't deal with uh, with hypotheticals. What I saw on Saturday night was Francis Ngannou beat, defeat, knock down the heavyweight champion of the world and got screwed by the judges. My man just calls him like he sees him. That's Brendan Tobin on the sports machine, Sean Levine. So... I guess where do we move on from here? Because like you said, we know that Tyson Fury at some point is going to fight Usyk for the quote-unquote undisputed heavyweight title. And we know that Tyson, that, excuse me, Francis Ngannou has his contract with the PFL. So it looks like he's going to step into the smart ring at least at some point. But 
would there maybe we act because we never really talk about rematches with these type of crossover fights most of the time it's like we see it once it's over with because it almost always goes the way that we thought it was is this different in any aspect where maybe we just say you know what screw it let's run it back because let's make sure that tyson fury is better than francis and ganu i mean i think in ganu won you think in ganu won it feels like the, the general public thinks that Nganu won. We agree that Fury had a bad night, and Nganu outboxed him, and Nganu knocked him down. I, I want to see it again. This is one of those where I actually think that it, time could suit this well. I think that them going off and doing their own thing will be beneficial because I think that Tyson's obviously going to take a lot of smack for this the you know being the guy who let boxing down uh being the guy that let a novice go out there and knock down the gypsy king looking like a guy who didn't really train hard for this fight um i think that only adds to whenever they rematch if they ever rematch i think doing it immediately um you know it'll be good don't get me wrong but i think it could be even bigger if they go both do their own things for a little bit. If if Tyson Fury does get all of the belts and then everybody's going to say, yeah, but you're not really, you lost to an MMA guy. Um, if Francis Ngannou goes out and he has a fight with a Deontay Wilder and beats him just like, uh, like Tyson Fury did, or if he fights an Anthony Joshua and looks good against a guy that Tyson Fury never fought. I honestly think that separation could do these two a lot of good for a little bit. I honestly like, Look, Tyson Fury definitely took damage in this fight. I mean, the, you don't delay your next fight that was already scheduled for December by two, three months if you didn't feel the effects of that fight, which you know only puts more of a feather in Francis Ngannou's cap. But I think it should cool off for a little bit. I think that they should, you know, maybe fight in a year's time, do their own thing, make Fra let Francis have his PFL debut, maybe have him do one more boxing match, even if it's not against one of the top guys. I think it's going to be a big deal no matter what because of what he did in this performance. I'm glad that you clarified you think that Fury got outboxed by Nganu. It wasn't just the fact that he knocked him down or won a round or two or had the harder shots because we've seen Tyson Fury <coughs> excuse me, get knocked down plenty of times. I think that was the seventh time, in fact, in his career. So he was outboxed that night. But if I was to list the, the biggest winners in order, <coughs> they tell me Fury won the fight, so I guess he's a winner. Certainly Ngannou's a winner in the public's eyes. I think the PFL's the biggest winner. I mean, now the PFL really has the biggest, the baddest man on the planet, and now he gets to step in like and fight for them. This is huge for that organization. Definitely uh, something that, that can help them. It was interesting this week. Uh, they ran some footage of Deontay Wilder talking to them on one of their broadcasts about you know possibly doing a crossover fight and Deontay being the guy who actually crosses over to mixed martial arts, which I think would be absolutely awesome. And we haven't seen that since James Tony Randy Couture of like a, a, a guy who has that much of a name to do something. And I think for Deontay, it'd be cool. His, are they talking about that being Ngannou's initial fight in PFL? Is having I don't know. I mean, like, that, well, we talked about this before the Fury fight. I mean, like, Francis took a big risk leaving, but we still don't really have a good answer as to who his first opponent is going to be. We've talked to Sean O'Connell, the voice of the PFL a couple of times, and I think they will do whatever is a big swing. You know, they have crossed over with boxing before where they've had um, women's multi-division champion and, and Olympian Clarissa Shields. She's fought in the PFL before. 
So they're willing to do it. They'll they'll play a little bit outside the box. So if that is the first fight, God, I think that would be an absolute monster. That would be absolutely huge if they go with Deontay Wilder first. I just don't know if you're Deontay, do you want the boxing match first to see what that's like? Or would you, uh, you know, do they have the money to pay a Deontay Wilder? Because Deontay does make a lot of cash for his fights. Um, but man, that would be a monster if they could make that his first fight. I don't know if that necessarily will be his first fight. I think it's more likely that they would box first before they first fight in MMA, even though Francis is probably in a position to call some shots. Let's go back to the fight for a second, the super fight Fury and Ghana that we saw on Saturday night. Are you more surprised that Fury looked a little bit lackadaisical? And I don't mean physically because he always has. Or that Nganu was, I guess, that good, that crisp of a boxer. And let me put a second part to this question. How much better did you think that fight, that production, that outcome was than Mayweather versus McGregor? I mean, it was incredible because like off the bat, you know, you basically got the surprise of he was able to put down Tyson Fury and he really hurt him. Like, you know, you can see the look in his eyes and you can see the lack of engagement that Tyson Fury had the rest of the fight. Like the third round was an absolute game changer. And it's, it shouldn't be surprising, I guess, to us because, you know, we've seen Francis, what kind of destruction he can do in the cage, but it is hard to be in there with a guy that big and, you know, is usually as slick on his feet as he is. And to be able to get him completely off guard and surprised by that, it was it was unbelievable by Francis Ngannou to deliver a blow like that. I think, honestly, the thing that surprised me the most on this fight was, and I was saying uh, like a fool a lot in the lead-up to this, was I didn't think that Francis was going to be able to handle the size of Tyson Fury, and wasn't the case at all. I mean, he was so much stronger than Tyson, even with the, the size discrepancy. This was definitely the first time I think Tyson Fury's been in a ring with somebody who was physically stronger with them and that couldn't bully, move around, or or put his weight on. I mean, it was right into Francis's wheelhouse. He he put him in the clench. He he intimidated him there as well. We saw Tyson Fury cheat and throw a big elbow right into Francis's yeah. face. Uh, he was very flustered in this matchup, man. My girlfriend tells me size doesn't matter, so we're just going to go with that, but. You were right about the size, man. Like, every time we've seen Francis Ngannou in a mixed martial arts fight, he makes whoever he's fighting look tiny. And in this fight, he was the one who looked small. Like, Tyson Fury is just a giant of a human being. And for whatever reason, somehow, so many different guys have tried to get inside or be able to counter the long reach of Tyson Fury, and just nobody could do it. And let's just call it what it is. I mean, Tyson Fury, he's not... It's physically intimidating as some other. He doesn't look like Mike Tyson, right, when he came in there. He's just got great timing and great defense. And for whatever reason, Francis Ngannou was the guy that was able to solve the puzzle. That's just mind-boggling. And that's why I say, like, look, if they did fight again and for, and Tyson knew that he's yeah. in if danger, again, I would. They fought, in, they fought again in six months. Who, who would you take and what would the odds look like? Like, would, 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 I, would Fury I, be an – pick him? I, I think – I think I would take Tyson Fury in a rematch because I would be under the assumption he's actually going to train. I don't think Tyson Fury trained very hard for this fight. I'm not taking anything away from Francis. But I just want to make that clear. That's that's Tyson's fault. If you didn't train hard for this fight, that's your problem. But I do think that I've seen him in rematches before. He typically does a lot better. 
Uh, he's a very smart fighter, and I do think that we've seen him in better shape. I think he would probably figure some things out. But, um, yeah, he looked in terrible shape for this fight. He was like 10 pounds over what he was his last fight, and, yeah, he never has a this incredible physique, but you can see what a bad bodied uh tyson fury looks like and he did not look in good shape at all and to be fair we're talking about essentially super heavyweights here like in the case of mayweather and mcgregor obviously conor mcgregor has one punch knockout power you've mentioned the jose aldo fight to me a million times on this show so we know that he can do it he's done it to a few different guys but that probably wasn't going to happen against floyd mayweather and it didn't right it took a while for both guys we knew that there was a possibility that Nganu could clip him and put him down, and he did. I don't know why you or some people, maybe not you, that's not fair, because in hindsight, you don't sound that surprised. But now that we've had a few days to reflect, anybody that gets hit by Francis Nganu is going to have the same reaction that Tyson Fury did. And you're right. He came out like a guy that didn't want it to happen again. I just, funny business, fishy business, bad judging, what happened? Because I saw something the other night, right after the fight, a couple hours after the fight, that 78% of the public, and I don't know what poll this is, it's from the internet, so it's got to be true, thought that Francis Ngannou won the fight. And you and I are part of that 78%. What gives? I just don't know. I just, I think what gives is, you know, he, I think a lot of the times in boxing, if it's close, there's this not there's this notion that if you don't kill the champ then the champ gets the nod but i just think that his inactivity was so poor in so many fights and he just didn't dictate the control of the ring that i just even those close rounds where there were single digit blows being landed i felt like francis had the better shots because he completely changed the way tyson fury was fighting that fight and he never intimidated Francis Ngannou. So that's why, to me, the stuff that Tyson would land just didn't have as much value. So, you know, it it's boxing. There's the boxing having bad decisions and having the outsider screwed should be the least surprising thing ever. But make no mistake, in the eyes of tapped out, the heavyweight champion of the world in two sports is Francis Ngannou. That's right. What in the name of Adelaide Bird was going on? You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, what's Sal Diamato when you need him? That's ridiculous. That's Brendan Tobin on the sports machine, Sean Levine. Don't worry, we're going to fight each other a little bit later. But we got a lot more MMA and boxing news coming up on the other side. Let's talk some sports combat and let's make some money. It's tapped out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tapped out on your screen or on your radio or on YouTube or maybe the Odyssey app. However you got me, good to see you. Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine, as always. The show produced by our guy, Jake Noaker. We spent a lot of the first segment, pretty much the whole thing, talking about Fury versus Nganu. One last boxing thing, then we'll get into the world of mixed martial arts. Did you see Shakur Stevenson calling out Sean O'Malley? It feels like this is going to happen pretty quick where I don't know if O'Malley is going to end up boxing Shakur or if he's going to end up boxing Tank or who it's going to be. But with everybody crossing over at this point, you can't tell me that guy's not next. Well, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Sean's kind of at the part of his career where he's going to have to finish his UFC career. I don't think that. And he's been, you know, shown himself to be pretty financially savvy with uh, his career moves and the guys that he picks. But you think Dana White's going to let another boxer right now go walk and fight a uh, and fight a boxer? I don't hold know. On. Now, the thing, hold the on. one, hold on, hold on. Didn't Conor McGregor get out of his UFC Shana. contract to fight Floyd Mayweather? What, dude? First of all, what are you going to tell me? You're talking, you're gonna tell me Sean about not Conor McGregor, aren't you? He's getting he's there. He's not dude. Conor McGregor. He's okay. He's getting when. There. He's not coming. It's going to be years away, but I'm talking about the privilege. I'm not talking about the resume. I'm talking I agree about with you. If it's a, you but, do what but, you want, take maternity, I, paternity leave, whatever you want. But and if he'll get, he could get there, but he's not there yet, and he's not, he's not going to do that anytime soon. He's not getting out to go box, and especially not off the heels of Francis and everybody calling Dana an idiot and everybody saying, "You see, Francis got one over on you," which he very obviously did. Uh, no, I don't think that there's going to be a Sean O'Malley. I, I certainly don't think Sean O'Malley is going to fight Shakur Stevenson. I don't think he's going to fight a Devin Haney. Tank is the only one that really makes sense that has like the mainstream buzz. Tank's a, a guy who's done a million plus pay-per-views. Um, that's the only one that would really make sense for me as far as crossover of the little guys. But I just don't think Dana's going to do business like that, man. I don't think that he's going to, he's going to let Sean do that until Sean gets a couple of, uh, 
you know, big time pay-per-views for him. And then if he does that, then, you know, we'll talk and revisit it. But I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I don't know, man. Like Sean's got the look. He's got the tattoos. He's had the Connor comparisons. Now he has the belt. He is one of Dana's guys. He came up on his show. Dana made a lot of money off the Floyd Mayweather thing. I don't know, man. Yep. If you told me that Sean O'Malley fights Tank Davis within the next year and you let me bet it at even money, I think I'm going to say it happens, dude. The only thing that does help it is Dana for a long time has had a big rift with Showtime Boxing, and now that Showtime is basically out after this year. That's a good point. Um, PBC doesn't really have a home right now. I mean, be interesting if they wanted to do something with like UFC Fight Pass because they are looking for some kind of provider for content. I don't think they want to do it the same platform as the uh, zone or top rank i think they're looking for their own thing so dana's been talking a long time about wanting to get into boxing so to see if there would be some kind of union between al Heyman and dana white the stable of fighters because you'd get the best stable of fighters you have a guy in al Heyman who really does not like to be the face of things he's a very in the shadows type of puppeteer the only thing that's the only thing that messes that marriage up to me is Dana's going to have something to say about the amount that he pays his fighters, which is crazy amounts of dollars. And that's not how Dana likes to do business. But I think from a content standpoint, it could make some sense. Um, and that could be the path that you could get to a Gervonta Davis versus Sean O'Malley fight. Yeah, it could make sense, but it's not the sense. It's the dollars that you were talking about. And that's the problem because Dana's not paying his fighters, his UFC fighters a whole lot his slap fighters a whole lot and we know that boxers make all the money in the world so that's just i don't know how well that would end up working out plus his pride and his ego but damn it would be really fun to see that crossover fight all right john jones update not gonna fight stipe miocic at the next pay-per-view in new york that fight is off he did however have surgery so getting repaired hopefully he'll be back within the next year or so and then we'll see exactly where he stands where the heavyweight picture stands right now the replacement fight, Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich. We haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about this one. You know I'm on Team Aspinall. What's your early lead? Oh, dude, it's such a hard pick. This is one of like, this is one of the hardest fights that I can remember because you have two guys who are like very clearly the top of the next generation. They're both first round, second round killers. Like they both just absolutely come come with like force and fast and try and make an impact to me i'm being biased because i seeing sergey pavlovich in person doing what he did to tai tuivasa i'm like who beats that i don't understand but maybe if i saw tom aspinall friend of the show in person i'd feel different because i do feel like there's more to tom aspinall's game so if he could survive the storm it feels like he would be okay. Um, and then he'd have more, you know, you'd get Sergey, I'd imagine, gassed out a little bit, and then he'd go to work. But the thing is, that's not how Tom Aspinall fights. Tom Aspinall likes to be the buzzsaw. So I'm very meekly, slightly leaning Pavlovich right now. But I could be swayed, man. I, I can't wait for this fight. I really, really can't wait somebody's getting their ass knocked out in this one and it's probably not going to take very long and i have no idea which guy it's going to be 
But I've been on Tom Aspinall since we've been doing this show now for a few years. He's come on this show. He's got a great accent. And I think another thing that's really intriguing about this fight is both guys are pretty much at the same point in their career. Like if you look, if they were if they were a graph, right, it kind of feels like they've kind of both been going like this and now they're meeting at an intersection where, and if you really want to say who's the better fighter of the four, if you're talking about Sergey, Tom Aspinall, Stipe uh, Miocic and John Jones, you could argue that these two guys at this point are better than both those other guys. I'm not saying it would be a better fight or a bigger fight or anything like that, but these are the right guys at the right time. That's why it's probably going to go off as a pick em. I can't wait for that fight. Speaking of injuries, Hamzat tore a ligament and then he went on in his hand and then he went on to beat Kamaru Usman. Injury's not going to hold him out for that long. My question about Hamzat is this. Is he the guy we thought he was? Like, now that we've seen him in a bunch of different fights where in the beginning he'd fight anybody, he'd kill anybody, and he did on Fight Island. And then he said he'd take out Gerald Mearshart in one, and he did. And then we've seen him in some weird fights that he beats up like Kevin Holland. And then we saw him in the Gilbert Burns fight where it was like, damn, is Gilbert that good? Or is Hamzat really just, you know, he's maybe he's not there just yet. And then we saw him against Usman. My answer is I still have a lot more questions than I do answers about Hamza Chimaev. Like, I don't think he's – maybe he's great, but I'm not going to call him great right now. He's good. He's pretty good. He's very good. I think that his greatness is in the grappling. I think that he's probably the most intimidating guy on the ground since Khabib because to make Kamar Usman look like that and being like, oh, Kamar Usman's only chance is to do this on the feet – um, that's crazy. Th- that's that's what impresses me about him. But he is a flawed fighter. Yeah, I think that there are some questions. Now, you know, the hand injury may change the way some people feel, but I feel he looks like a guy uh, who who can be got on the feet a little bit in certain matchups. I don't know, Jake. What have you seen with it? I I just don't. I mean, I don't think he's flawed. I think we've seen enough, boys. I don't think he went out there and finished Usman like a lot of us, myself, thought he would. But what other middleweight or welterweight could go out there on what a week's notice and beat Kamara Usman by unanimous decision? Like, no, no, that's true. That's true. And, and, Usman, and what BG said is true also taking him down and holding him down for an entire. I mean, Usman fought his entire career and what he'd been taken down one time. So the fact that he was able to do it multiple times and hold him down is crazy. But also, Jake, as much of a Hamza guy as you are, and you're the biggest, and you think that he won every round, and you think he 10 aided him and all that stuff. Dude, his striking is not great. If, if a fight stays on his feet against a, a very high-level striker, I take whoever that other name is. Like, the truth is, yeah, Hamza Jemayev can come out there and ragdoll you and hold you down, but what if he can't? What if the fight stays on its – he just he was throwing wild, wild punches. His boxing, when he stands up, needs a lot of work. Do you think he's great right now, Jake? I think his striking's good. No, I don't think it's great. I don't think he's going to outstrike Leon Edwards. I don't think he's going to go outstrike Sean Strickland, but I think he can ragdoll him otherwise. And again, so what if they fight though? What what happens if the fight goes down? Six months from now, both healthy, neutral site, Sean Strickland versus Hamzad Shemaev. You can take either guy. I think Strickland beats him up, dude. I don't know, bro. 
I don't know. Did you see what he did to Israel Adesanya in pretty much every single round? And that was because he's so good with his striking and so different. If those guys keep it on their feet, BT, if we see Sean Strickland versus Hamzad Chemaev, Chemaev gets his ass kicked. That's the funny thing, though, is like he seems that like if he's that kind of dominant of grappler and he can get Sean Strickland down, yeah, it's it's going to be a problem. And I think that's the thing. When you watch Khabib fight, you'd be like holding your breath because you're like, really just hope this could stay on the feet a little bit and make it interesting. Because when it is gra- when you are on the ground, it's not interesting. And so I think odds-wise, it's going to be interesting watching Hamzat because after seeing what he did to Usman, I think we're going to see very lopsided odds for him because he is that kind of dominant grappler and he is going to be able to keep guys down and you are going to be holding your breath. Um, Sean Strickland is a very, very unique fighter. Um, it's going to be interesting to see that matchup because yeah, if it, if you are, if you are able to keep it on the feet, you got a chance. That's been the, that's, that's definitely going to be the caveat every time you face him because the last couple of guys who can keep it on the feet in, in Usman and, and, uh, Gilbert Burns. Yeah, they had success. And now you're talking about middleweights, um, actual middleweight strikers. Cause let's not, you know, it was the. Kamaru Usman's a welterweight who came up. You know, Sean's a uh, a welterweight who came up too, but it's, he's had time at the division now, so it's uh, it's a little bit different. And yeah, we just saw what he was able to do to maybe the best MMA striker we've seen this side of Silva. So it's it's very fascinating because it seems like he's got very dominant skills on the ground, which is probably the best dominant skill to have. Um, in an era where a lot of strikers are taken over, he could kind of neutralize a lot of that and and uh, make guys look silly. But if they are able to, if Sean can keep it on the feet, yeah, I, th- I still think there are issues. So I think he is a great elite, probably the best in the sport right now, grappler. But there are still holes that you see if you can keep it on the feet. But do you have to be an Usman-level wrestler to be able to do that? Because there's not a lot of guys as good as Usman out there to to keep it on the feet. And he was still taken down in every round. Two last points on that. One, to the Khabib comparisons, we said for a minute Khabib couldn't strike either until he could. And he was knocking a couple dudes out. Then it was like, okay, he can punch also. And in the case of Hamzat, maybe he is just such a good wrestler, such a good grappler, that I'm holding his striking close to that level and being a little bit harsh. So, it, was, it, was it Dos Equis that was the most interesting man in the world? I think he retired a couple of years ago. Hamzad Chimaev is now the most interesting man in the world. Like, what a tough dude to figure out. All right, let's burn through some of these because we've got UFC Sao Paulo coming up in just a couple of minutes left in this segment. Jalton Almeida, huge favorite. He's on fire, minus 500 against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, who I feel like I should mention was caught going 136 miles an hour in a 50-mile-per-hour zone. So uh, the Black Beast You let is... him off, though, right? Oh, I mean, come like, on. When, that's, when, that's you, when you pull Lewis. over the Black Beast, you're like, he, Derek Lewis, like, he's talking his way out of a ticket. If nobody got hurt and he's willing to I mean, I guess he do his... If he'll, like, if he'll do the Orca thing on the sidewalk, on the side of the highway, I'll let him go. Or if he wants to drop his pants and do my balls as hot... Yeah, I'll probably let him go. But besides that, I don't know. I feel like they have to give him some sort of a ticket. Anyway, he wins this fight. He's a plus 350 underdog coming off that awesome win. 
I mean, like, look, he is, there's nobody in the sport who's more of a puncher's chance. If you ever want to sprinkle a little on a Derek Lewis knockout, he's always capable. Like, even in the fights, it looks like he's getting drubbed. He could always, you know, you, you leave one hanging over the plate, he'll knock out. But Almeida's looked like an absolute buzzsaw lately. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough ask. It feels like we're always wondering, like, what level is Derek Lewis still at? And this one feels like it might be a little bit cut, but man, sometimes when they feed them these young dogs and they and they think like, hey, this is uh, you you take on that's you know normally where he comes out with the first round knockout and just like not today. That's your main event, Almeida versus Lewis at UFC Sao Paulo. We'll go over the rest of the card, tell you which way we're gonna bet it. Break down UFC Austin. That's coming up on December second. That's a badass card. That's a really really nice card. At least the main card up and down we'll talk about some of those odds but coming up next lace them up two men fight each other right here on tapped out Step into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass. Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man. Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back out my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. What's good? Welcome back into Tapped Out. We appreciate you checking us out, talking fighting and making a little money with Brendan Tobin. I am the sports machine, Sean Levine. Now it's time for us to step in the middle of the octagon and fight each other. Or maybe it's a ring. Who knows what it is? Let's just call it a crossover fight like Fury and Nganu. Speaking of Tyson Fury, he's overrated, Brendan. I mean, Deontay Wilder put him on his ass, what, one, two, three separate times? I get it. It was a trilogy. He's now been put down seven times. I think he lost a crossover fight versus Francis Nganu. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't be the heavyweight champion or that he isn't really, really good. But I think that there's separation between the, the greats, the Ali's, the Frazier's, the Foreman's, the Holmes, those guys. I think he's more of a Lennox Lewis. You're going to fight me? 
I mean, look, it's a tough week to argue about the legacy that is Tyson Fury because I do feel like he had put in what was a pretty good, what's been a pretty good heavyweight era. He seems very much like, hey, I am able to, I, I was able to distinguish myself among Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua has had his faults. So it, it felt very much like he had separated himself but this is a tough one. Like you, you, you went in this fight against a guy who never boxed and made yourself look like that. How is it not going to affect the way everybody feels about you? It's kind of one of those things that's unfair with fighting, but this is one of the ones where like, I get it. You know, he can go knock out Usyk in the first round and everyone's going to still call back to this. And so he's going to have to knock out Usyk AJ, Andrew Ruiz, maybe get Mike Tyson out of retirement for revenge, and it's still people will bring this night up. It's going to be an impossible thing not to think about as a stain on his legacy. Um, I thought up to this point, man, the guy had shown so many impressive things between improving as a knockout artist, improving using his speed, um, had had a thriller against Deontay Wilder, you know, taken out a, 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 a bevy of, of tough guys, and now it's all kind of left with a, a bit of an asterisk on it because of this crossover fight with Francis. Well, why not then just do what's right in front of you? Who gives a damn if he knocks out Usyk in 30 seconds or what he does if we saw him fight Deontay Wilder again or if it was Anthony Joshua? That's been in our mouth now for five years, and we saw him get into a ring against Francis Ngannou, and you and I both agreed that he lost the fight. Why are we dancing around? Just why don't those just fight again? Like if you're Tyson Fury, I wouldn't keep Francis Ngannou's name out of my mouth until he agrees to fight me again. I would train my ass off and then I'll go out there and knock him out. Like I said, I was going to this fight. That's what he needs for his legacy. He lost a crossover fight, dude. This is no different. This, I mean, okay, it's a little different because Floyd Mayweather's legacy is that he's undefeated and probably in, held in a higher pantheon than Tyson Fury. Some people think that Floyd is the best boxer of all time. That being said... If Conor McGregor would have won that fight, imagine what it would have even even if people could have had the conversation that he won the fight like you and I are today, then the legacy of Floyd Mayweather would be completely different than it is right now. Tyson Fury's got to do something to wipe that stain off. He lost the fight. Yeah, and I don't even know because this is one of those where it's like even if he did he'd have to like go out there and I feel like he'd have to knock out Francis to really erase that because like, even that's if you told me to do, that's exactly yeah, what we thought was even, you and I both said that's what we thought was going to happen. Yeah. Even if he went out there and he were to win a decision again against him, um, you know, it's like, okay, that's what you were supposed to do. It's like if LeBron James was to take on Tyree kill and one-on-one, it's like, yeah, you better score like a hundred points, like wilt against him. Like that's what you're supposed to do. You're LeBron. So, I don't know, man. I don't really know what the answer is for him. I think for now, kind of just hope that like the boxing community forgets about it a little bit because I do think even just like the people I was arguing with on Twitter uh, over when it was happening, they're like, no, no, it's so clear that Tyson Fury, you know, outboxed him. And I'm like, maybe that's what you guys think because you were listening to Joe Tessitore, but like, I don't know what you guys are watching. And, and then the box, the broadcast was so overly swayed towards Tyson Fury it was embarrassing and I just think that 
for his for his legacy right now, it's 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 impossible for that not to be something you think about because the guy's still in the prime of his career. It just felt like, yeah, maybe part of it was he didn't train hard for it. Maybe that is, but that's your fault, dude. Like you're the one who scheduled two fights in seven weeks, and you're the one who took this one light as like a tune-up. You didn't know what was coming at you on the other side, which is Francis Ngannou is he's just one of the most impressive competitors and athletes I've ever come across. Like, you know, we talked about Fr Francis just feel like, think about his last fight against gone down two rounds. Oh, this guy's cooked. And he out grappled a guy with two busted knees to keep his championship. And the, the guy, the guy's will, like we've talked, you know, we all know his story about, you know, coming from the mines and being homeless, but there's something in that dude that is just different. And it's, it's it's movie stuff what he was able to do and he just seems like one of the most genuinely great guys to root for i'm so happy for him and at this point you can look back and say every decision that he's made even the ones that we question he was right like no he didn't know john jones was going to get hurt but in hindsight who knows exactly what the timing would have been if he would have had to wait for john he's going to probably make more money from the pfl it's just crazy how Everything seems to be coming together. The decisions that we were questioning, it looks like everything's – if he's a stock, I mean, I want my money in Francis Ngannou right now. But think about this, man. Like, how crazy is it? Like, I know it's, it, it was injury, but, like, imagine being the UFC and you have this commodity, the, this the scariest dude on the planet. You have your own oh, Mike Tyson. Up. They screwed up. And man. you but, – but not only did they screw up, they screwed up. They try to make it seem like Francis was a coward, and then they're like, you know who we're going to rely on to carry our heavyweight division? The most unreliable guy that we've ever had to say, <laughs> oh. And I get the strategy. You're like, oh, you can't lose credibility of the division because we have the greatest fighter of all time as our champion. It's like, yeah, but when is he, is he going to be available? He was, first of all, already talking about retiring after a fight. And then he doesn't even make it to the fight. And it's like you made it seem like Francis was a dumb dumb, and you're the ones who look like dummies here. And Gon is laughing his ass all the way to the bank. Brendan Tobin, sports machine, Sean Levine. You're gonna fight me on tapped out. Speaking of rematches, you're gonna fight me if we see the Sean Strickland versus Israel Adisanya fight again. Even if you give me pick them. I'm putting it all on Sean Strickland. I think he whoops his ass again. You gonna fight me? Um, I'm not gonna fight you, but I do like the fact that you know Izzy is taking some time. You know, it definitely feels like he was dealing with some stuff outside the cage. The dude liked to fight a lot and never felt like he ever did take a pause on becoming a star. And then obviously had a very emotional rematch against Alex Pajeda. So I do think it is possible. We see a better version of him when he comes back, a, a, a guy who's, you know, refreshed. And, I mean, if Sean is still the champion, I still think it's possible that he goes and wins that fight uh, just because he's just – he's so smart. We saw what he was able to do against Pajeda, who's a little still – you know, as good as Sean is, is still a little bit more intimidating of of firepower coming back. So if anybody could figure the, the quirkiness of Sean Strickland's style, I think Izzy could do it. But, you know, if Sean's a dog that night, I'm going to take the value, baby. 
Before I give you this next one, just remember that life is all about evolving and we all grow and we all change our mind and make decisions, okay? Now I'll give it to you. You're going to fight me if I say, if Charles Oliveira is next against Islam Makachev, Islam's going to whoop his ass, dude. I'm done. Like, I, I was wrong. Now, look, <laughs> it, 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 it took him. You <laughs> rats off a ship? No, listen, it took him knocking out Alexander Volkanovsky, and I didn't think that my Toyota Camry could knock out Alexander Volkanovsky. But once he did that, I'm like, all right, Charles Oliveira can't survive. So do we agree that – and Charles Oliveira, by the way, I think he is going to get that shot. Same thing, Islam done and won. No, I mean, why would I fight you? I've been backing Izzy okay. the entire time in the lead-up to that fight. Like, I, I, I thought that, uh, that Islam was definitely going to beat him. And, uh, yeah, you knock out – Alexander Volkanovsky, the way that he did. Crazy. You know, it, the only thing you can really say is like, hey, beat a guy on 10 days notice, but it's Volk. You know, it's still Volk. It's still impressive to do it the way that he did it. And um, no, man, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you've come around to your senses, I guess. Well, it took Alexander Volkanovsky getting knocked out for me to decide that I will say, I'm working good. I will say something tells me like there'll be an, a number that it comes because I I'm at, I don't even know what the do you, do you have odds on what that fight would be because I imagine no, I they got to be even more lopsided and there's going to be a number where you're going to talk yourself into it and I'm going to be like all right you can't you can't help some people sometimes I was actually wondering how much maybe producer Jay can snag that real quick how much those odds have changed I was wondering the same thing because Oliveira wasn't a huge underdog when what was supposed to be the rematch a couple of weeks ago I think he was like a plus 250 or something because I kept barking the microphone he's got to be four to one by now you, you think so you think okay so here it is good job Jake Islam minus 600 Charles at plus 450 so good job on you too BT you nailed it that's why you host a betting show all right that's good enough for me I changed my mind again on live TV. Oh my God. I'm back to Charles Oliveira. You give me plus 450 on Charles Oliveira. Shut up. I don't care. I'll the change only, my mind again before the show's over. Full plus 450. The only thing, dude. dude, here's what you got to hope for. This is what you have to hope for. You have to hope that Islam comes feeling into this fight feeling so froggy because he just head kicked Alexander Volkanovsky that he's just like, Watch what I'm about to do with Charles Oliveira on my feet, and then Oliveira gets him with a cut, like a one-two piece immediately. But you got a round. That's it. Maybe he comes in like Tyson Fury did, and he's like, "I got him. I'm good. You know, I don't need I don't need to train as hard as I normally would." And then Charles he's Oliveira, who I remind you, is a future Hall of Famer and won once 14 fights in a row and defended his title five straight times and all those different things. Um, UFC trying to put together Cejudo versus Marab in January. I think that Cejudo gets worked, probably gets finished by Marab, and then probably retires. You gonna fight me on any of that? No, I'm not gonna fight you on that. I I, I like the fight though. I think that it's uh it's it's a good fight for Marab. In, in the meanwhile, I think that uh it's as highly publicized you can get in the outskirts of this Sean O'Malley fight. It is weird though that like, you know, it is weird that he's he's you know had to rehab from this injury. You know, he just can't seem to get anything lined in luck with him getting the damn title shot that he deserves. And we haven't even talked yet about the biggest fight coming up this weekend, which, of course, is taking place in Germany on Sunday morning between the NFL's two best teams. On the other side, we talked little Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins. We'll break down Sao Paulo. We'll break down UFC Austin. 
And I got a little overrated, underrated UFC style. A lot to get to. One more segment right here on Tapped Out. Back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Welcome back into Tapped Out with Jake and Brendan. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. And of course, BT down in Miami. I'm here in Kansas City. And you would think that this game would either take place in your backyard or in mine. But no, somehow the NFL screws it up. And the Chiefs and the Dolphins playing in Germany right now at BetMGM. The Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Going into this game, do you think that whoever wins ultimately ends up hosting the AFC Championship game? Or, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, at least ends up with that number one overall seed. Like, is that how big this game is in your eyes? Um, I, I mean, I think there's still plenty of time for, for things to change. I think the, Dol- the Dolphins actually, after this, have a really soft schedule. Uh, this is kind of like their last... I think this is their last game against a winning team until Christmas Eve, I think, before they take on the Cowboys. Um, so the Dolphins have shown a really, like, obviously the big thing with them is they can't beat a good team. That's like the big thing that still sticks out with them, but they beat the holy hell out of the bad teams. I mean, they, they have not had anything that's come close to a trap game. So I still think it's possible that even if they lose, they they rack up a ton of wins by the time we get to the end of this season. Um, but it, I, I, you know, two was talking about this on the, uh, on, on Wednesday. He's like, yeah, there's still a level of measuring stick to this where we're taking on the Super Bowl champs. It means something we want to, and they're going right into the buy. It feels like kind of the perfect crescendo to the last half of the season for them. Um, so I, I, I still think it's, it's a huge deal. And I think that they felt against the Eagles matchup that, they had their opportunities. They got off the canvas, but ultimately they shot themselves in the foot, obviously with a lot of crooked refereeing in Philadelphia. But um, this is kind of one where they they feel like they can maybe sure up some of those mistakes and see if they can put a lot of that narrative to bed. I'm stuck in this Kansas City bubble where we've hosted five straight AFC championship games, so I'm always wearing my red shades. 
does it feel like maybe Kansas City is ready to be got right now? Because they're coming off the loss to Denver, and the offense hasn't looked quite as good, and Mahomes has looked a little bit human. You tell me, is it just a hiccup, or are teams like yours and Jake's as an Eagles fan licking their chops going, now's our time? Oh, I don't. I don't look at it as like the the Chiefs can get got. If anything, the loss to the Denver Broncos, I felt very similar to like the Eagles losing to the to the to the Jets. Like, damn, I don't want to have them feeling like they have to get right. the uh, The thing that I would just say for the Dolphins that they feel confident in is they just got Jalen Ramsey back. They're getting their uh, their other cornerback Xavier Howard back likely this week. They're getting their starting left tackle. They're just getting a lot of health back this this uh this upcoming week for this Chiefs matchup. So I just think that's why you're probably getting a, a a more confident Dolphins team. I don't think Tyreek Hill has spoken to the media yet this week. I really can't wait for it because he was very vocal this summer about how much he wanted to return to Arrowhead. And he said after the uh the win over the Patriots he's pissed that it's not an Arrowhead that they got to go do it here. But I, I really am just looking forward to it because man, I, I know you guys won a Super Bowl and that's great, but this guy's the greatest thing I've ever seen on a football field. I mean, a thousand yards in eight games, Sean. It's the most fun. I mean, he, he he's so fast. Every time him and Tua just link up, I'm just like, there's nothing better than this on a football field. Two Super Bowls, just to correct you, been to three with Mahomes. Dude, you, you ain't kidding. I, I look back and I'm like, how was this guy on our squad? How did those guys not break every single record and go undefeated every year and not put up 70 points a game? Now, they were doing pretty close to that. What about MVP? Right now at BetMGM, the co-favorites, essentially, Patrick Mahomes and Tua. I'm always thinking that they want to give it to the new blood, right? Like, if a guy's already won the award, hell, we saw it last year in the NBA. Everybody knows Jokic went for the MVP, and he somehow didn't get the award. They gave it to Joel Embiid. You think they do the same thing this year with Tua if it keeps going this way? Oh yeah, I think for sure, especially if he wins the head to head. Um this is this is going to be something that that is uh is is talked about definitely. Um but like man, you know, they've uh they just they put up such big numbers and it just feels like with them they uh they have so many options. They haven't even gotten their star running back back, you know, they should be getting Devon Achan back after the bye week and he was maybe the most electric it's crazy to say but He's maybe as electric as Tyreek Hill is uh, from the running back position, and he's a rookie. So they, it's been a really fun season down here, man. I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't used to have the Dolphins having good offense. It's been a long time since Dan Marino. It's been a lot of Ryan Tannehill and Jarvis Landry. So um, people are hyped for this one. I'm with you. I wish this was more of a normal game and not in the morning. But, you know, I guess we'll deal with it. I mean, to be fair, I saw a lot of Dave Craig and Steve Bono and Trent Green. And, I mean, there were a lot of those dudes. Uh, was the name Matt Castle before we got our Patrick Mahomes. So, maybe Miami finally got their guy. All right, let's talk a little fighting. You- UFC Austin coming. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask, Are you? Uh, I saw today on one of the debate shows that they were talking about Travis Kelsey going to a baseball game before uh, the, the poor performance against the Broncos. Was he getting crushed in sports radio this week? Yeah, here's becoming thing, too big man. for his britches with Taylor Swift. Yeah, and it's. I told you this a couple of weeks ago when you brought up the Taylor Swift stuff. 
If Taylor Swift was dating a Kansas City Royals player as somebody that does radio in Kansas City, I would love it. It would give us something to talk about. The team sucks. It would be fun. She's the biggest pop star on the planet. But here's the thing. The Chiefs are really good. Like, really good. Like, they won the Super Bowl. I don't know if you know that. And the Travis Kelsey's really good. Like, the best tight end of all time good. I don't need to talk about any of this other crap. During the season, I'm good. It's fun, but that's an off-season story for me. Let's move on to the fighting. Benil Daryush, Armand Saruki in the main event of UFC Austin, December 2nd. Have you seen this car? Let's go up and down real quick. Dan Hooker versus Bobby Green. Rob Font versus Davison Figueredo. Sean Brady, Kelvin Gastelum. Misha Tate versus Julia uh, Julie Avila. And then Clay Guida, who's been fighting for a million years, versus Joaquin Silva. Let's spend a couple of minutes at the top. Your early thoughts on the main event, Armand Sarukin and Benil Daryush. Yeah, tough for our boy Benny, friend of the show. Uh, we had him on before his uh, his recent loss to Charles Oliveira. Um, very interesting dude. Benny got deep with Very us. talented. Benny got real deep. Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, you're taking on a guy in Armand Sarukin who just looks like an absolute young stud killer. Just seems like they're, you know, every week there's a new guy coming up that just looks like the next thing. The talent's just so deep out there. But it's a tough one for 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 Benil because it felt like very much he was knocking on the door uh to get that title shot. You know, I do think that Islam is gonna be looking for opponents. So if he gets the win here, you know, he could be right back into that thing. But it's a it's a tough go against it for for him against Sarukian. The co-main event that night, two guys that have never been seen in the same room together. And I know they don't really look a lot alike, Bobby King Green versus Dan Hooker. But, I mean, just very similar. If you look at the trajectory of their careers, if you look at kind of the way they fight, I'm not sure who I like to win that one. What say you? Man, that is a tough fight because, you know, Dan has finally kind of got – he had such a hard – couple of years there especially like around the pandemic years and i thought he was, he was taking cut. awesome yeah he, but he was, i mean if you look at it man he's taking look at the guys he's lost to you know you're talking arnold allen islam michael chandler dustin poirier so you can play probably, that game with bobby green too bobby green loses this you definitely lose this he loses some killers too no for sure i mean they both have a com both have a common loss to islam but um I just think that, you know, Dan Hooker feels like a guy. I don't know if Dan, anybody's really looked at Bobby Green and said, hey, that guy's got the, the talent to be champion. I do feel like that's been the case with Dan Hooker, where people have been like, I think that guy could be good enough to be champion. You know, like he was maybe a couple more strikes away from beating Dustin Poirier. And then what does the tra trajectory of his career look like? You don't know. But that's the fascinating thing about the fight game. You were just talking about, you know, how much Francis Ngannou beating Tyson fury changes his legacy how much that changes Tyson fury's legacy so it's i think i lean dan hooker just because i think he's a little got a little bit more well-rounded game i think he's got a little bit more in the bag of of tricks but man as we've seen with bobby green he lays the hammer down it it could be it could be a quick night for you so that's that's a really really fun co-man though and i feel like it's gonna I be a fun build-up oh it's gonna be great build-up great talk great smack but i think that they were both maybe a fight and a half, two fights away, if that makes sense, from fighting for a belt at some point in their career. Like somehow if Bobby Green could have beat Islam, but that probably wasn't going to happen. Dan Hooker, like three years ago, was really hot until he wasn't. What about the Rob Font, Davison Figueredo fight? That's another good one, too. Damn, dude. Yeah, that is a great fight. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Figueredo does 
uh, in this weight class because, you know, he's so defined, it feels like, by the rivalry with Brandon Moreno, which was a great rivalry. And then Rob Font's just such a tough guy to welcome you to the division because much like Dan Hooker, you know, basically is just lost to you know, the best of the best in the division. So now you're taking a guy in Davidson Figueredo who is probably thrilled that he doesn't have to make 125 anymore. We've seen him. He is a very dangerous striker, but he can also get got. And you're wondering how is that power going to carry? How is that uh, that that welcome into Bantamweight going to be for him? Um but man, it, it feels like fireworks. It feels like you have three fights that you've listed. I'd like, yeah, you can make an argument that that's going to be fight of the night, that, 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 that those guys will be uh, the one everybody's talking about because it's just that kind of action they're going to bring. I'm kind of leaning toward this one. Font versus Figueredo feels like 15, a lot of stand-up and a lot of blood on that octagon match. Sean Brady, Kelvin Gastelum is the next one too. And the thing about Kelvin Gastelum, every single time I'm like, eh, Kelvin Gastelum's on the card. He has one of those fights. Even like when he fought Israel Adesanya, that was probably my favorite fight that Stylebender's ever been in. And ultimately, I know Gastelum lost. I'm looking forward to the Brady fight too. And I don't know which way I'm betting this one. That's a that's another one that's tough because, you know, Sean's coming off his first loss to Bilal Muhammad. Brutal loss. Got that, you know, made turned, got that face turned into mincemeat. Um, yeah. And then Kelvin you know, had that impressive win. That was in Miami. I remember that. That was down here. That was at a, that was him versus Chris Curtis. And I'm with you. I thought Chris Curtis was going to win that fight. I'm not sure, you know, with him, it's just an interesting question. It's like, this guy has always been said, like, he's got this talent, but like, what is he great at? But then like, he can go toe to toe with the best fighters in the world, but then can look like an absolute schlub the next time around. And then Sean's just like the ultimate, you know, prospect just feels like, Hey, the guy really shouldn't have a weakness. He's been grinding in Philly. He's been trying to get himself in position, kind of find it felt like he was a win away from really getting into title contention. Um, so, uh, it feels like a fight that has a lot more on the line for Sean Brady than it does Kelvin. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of fire he brings into this one, but I'm, I'm going to lean Brady going into this one. I think he's going to bounce back. Schlub is a very underused word. We've also got Misha Tate and Julia Avila on that card and Clay the Carpenter Aguida taking on Joaquin Silva. We'll be back next week to talk about it. And on next week's show, we spend a lot of it talking about UFC 295 in New York. For Brendan Tobin and Jake Nowaker, I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, and we'll catch you next week right here on Tapped Out.